And I'm Jimmy. So to start out like we do everyone, tell me how your week was. Um I I don't know. I feel like my whole week was taken up by the election. Not to get all political, but it feels like all background noise for me was election newscasts. Not that I'm very political person. Exact same thing here, like it seems like it didn't matter where whether it was work, uh, when I'm in the chat room with people, since you know we're not in the actual office right now, or if it was at a you know online or on a podcast or even a video. Like I even got off of Reddit for a while because I was like, I know everything is going to be politically related. So, and the, as far as I know, there's no button that says like, oh, just turn off all political po- uh, posts. If there are, then I really wish I had known it. So yeah, it was like it's just it was something that you just couldn't escape. Yeah, I feel like I haven't seen that many maps of the United States for that long of a time. It's just like everywhere and all I can see is like red and blue now. Yeah. Well, now this part's past us so we can at least, you know, have a different type of news cycle, which will be nice. Unfortunately, not the most fun week either. I mean, hearing about what um Hearing about Alex Trebek dying was kind of sad. You know, you know me, I'm a huge fan of trivia and I grew up, you know, every, what is it, after school, Jeopardy would come on maybe an hour or two after I got home and watch it when I was a kid and even watch it as an adult. And that was always like one of my life goals to make it on Jeopardy. And yeah, it's like, man, it just hit hard. Yeah, I know he was very sick because he had cancer, but I was kind of hoping he he was going to push through it for one more season. He didn't look too bad, but I guess I've seen him only pre-corona time. So I don't know what happened post, but it is very sad. It's like losing a, a real legend. Yes. And I, I actually heard, I didn't realize this because they were making new episodes over the past year, even during Corona a little bit, though it slowed down. Uh, like he was, you know, wearing a wig the whole time. I I was not the wiser of that. Like, he was still doing his whole thing while he was going through chemo treatments. Oh, wow. Now I, I, I might go back and try to find some of those episodes. I, I usually only watch Jeopardy when it's uh, the college kids or the high school kids, like, episodes, because I know most more of the answers <laughs> to those questions, so I feel... I can do Jeopardy, so I have to go check it out. Yeah, they. I what I looked at, I was like, oh, I guess they got him. You know, wig technology must have gotten better or something, because I was none the wiser when I when I would watch it. And yeah, that was just uh, that was just a shocker to hear. It does make me excited that you say wig technology is getting better. For if I ever do go bald in the future, I'm gonna. It's gonna be like the height of wig technology so i'm not i'm not afraid anymore yeah i guess that's one well probably the only positive that came out of it but hey you know he what 36 years on tv you know he was 80 and lived a full life so at least he didn't go young and i guess we all have to go sometime but it doesn't make it any less sad when it happens yeah but he did leave like a mark on this world uh, whenever you think of game show hosts, you're definitely going to think of Alex Trebek. Absolutely. Like he is like, to me, that's, 
he is Jeopardy. He is tri- he is like trivia. He is knowledge. He's uh, you know a scholar and a gentleman, as they say. Yeah, I mean, when you think of game show hosts, I I can really when I think of them, I think of like Alex Trebek, Pat Sajak, and then because I'm a kid of the '90s, I think of Mark Summers from Double Dare. But those are kind of just the the main game show hosts that pop up in my mind whenever I think about that. Yes, exactly. The uh, perfect, perfect way to put it. I mean, Mark Summers, Pat Sajak, uh, well, Alex Trebek, and then also oh, and another passing we had this year who I also, I personally also associate with game shows because I know it's had many hosts since then, but when the OG came out of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you had Regis Philbin, and I watched that one pretty religiously too when I was growing up, and yeah, he passed away earlier this year, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, this year is really a lot of... Man, yeah, we lost so Sean Connery as well this year. It just, it's a lot. Yeah, it's been a very, very, very weird year, all in all. Um, that's just putting it super lightly. I mean, there's... I don't know. It's just been so strange. I mean, with, with everything, with the virus, with you know, just very different. No, I mean, you know, woe is me. I don't get to take a vacation, but you know, it's just like everything that you used to do normally in life just seems to have either halted and, you know, some people are out of jobs and it's just all that. It's just been a really weird year. I mean, at least, you know, hopefully we all found something positive out of the year. Um, You know, like I just, me getting my new dog was definitely a positive. So yeah, and uh, the year is almost wrapped up, so it's everything's going by. It seemed to be going by really slowly at the beginning, and now I feel like the year's sped up. Exactly. I was like, uh, I forgot. I saw a Reddit post on it. It was kind of funny. It was like, what if we have uh, <clears throat> it's a groundhog year situation, where when you fall asleep on December thirty first, twenty twenty, you wake up and it's January first, twenty twenty. You have to like redo the whole year again. You know, I wouldn't mind another shot at this year. I feel like I really didn't use my downtime as efficiently as I would have. So maybe another shot. And like, would I have, I would have the knowledge still of what's going on. I don't know if I could like let people know what's going to happen in the, the future without looking crazy. Exactly. There's no way you could do that. Like you would look crazy. You would have to do something big, like predict the lottery or something, but like twice or three times, like anybody can do it once, but if you got like three times in a row, then it'd be like, yeah, you, you, you're either part of some massive scam or you really do have the ability to see the future or have future knowledge. Do they, do they stop you? Like, is there a limit on how many lotteries you can win? How many jackpots you can I win? I honestly don't know, but I think if you won too many, you would probably raise a lot of suspicions, especially at a close point of time. Because there's actually right where you live, like right outside, um, I want to say in Williamson County, there is a, um, uh, I think he was voted out recently, but he was a sheriff and he won the lottery not once, but twice. In his lifetime, and he's like, he doesn't have to work another day in his life, but he wanted to be sheriff, or I forget what position he had, but 
yeah it was it was interesting oh man i i hope i win the lottery twice in my lifetime yeah we don't don't we all that would be nice Though they say most people who win it lose it, so or they wind up losing it. Not everybody. Apparently, there's a few people who don't do anything with the money after they get it. Like, they either donate it or maybe they buy a house and then that's it. And then they they tend to do fine, but it's the ones who, like, blow all the money on fancy vacations or whatever who wind up going broke. Hmm. I think the key is to, like, keep your day job and keep doing what you're doing and then just blow all the winnings that way you still maintain your normal life and then you just got to have a really good few months of extreme spending. yeah that could work just go create or you like make that your fun money so that way you just can you can work all day or you can work and whatnot but then you know that money goes to pay for your house or, or whatever and then you just have all this other money to just do whatever you want on a weekend yeah, I definitely want to like Scrooge McDuck something, you know, with all the gold coins, but maybe just like dollar bills. I don't know. I want to jump in a pile of money is what I'm saying. Yeah, that would be fun. Well, dollar bills would be better. I think the density of the coins will actually like break all your bones if you try to jump into it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe like a mixture. I don't want it just all to be ones, but like some ones, some 20s. Or maybe maybe even go even it's like crazier and it's it's only two dollar bills, so it's like something unique. Get them all out of circulation. Yeah, like you're the only one who has exactly the $2 that would be perfect. Bills. I, that would be funny. Then there's just nobody cares anymore. Like you're the only one who has it, and maybe that rate maybe that raises the value. Like they they they're still only valued at two dollars because even though they're rare, they're still in circulation. So. Yeah, is the government still printing them, or are they out of print? I don't know. I know they're still in circulation, but I don't know if the government's still printing them. Maybe next time I come across one, I'll, I'll hold on to it. Yeah, look at the uh, printing date on it. Uh, yeah, it looks like, I don't know. It looks like maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. We'll find out one of these days. But I think we should probably... Stop turning this into a, a, a dollar bill podcast and we can talk about Full Metal Alchemist. Though we could start a dollar bill Sounds podcast good. one of these days. I mean, I mean, next next month we're launching our, our dollar bills podcast. So be, be on the lookout for that. But today, Full Metal Alchemist. Yay. All right. Let's jump into it. Episode 22, Backs in the Distance. Uh, again, picking up where everything left off, which is always fun. The fact that we don't have to guess what happened over the past five months or anything. We're just picking up right where we are. So, Wrath had attacked Lonthon, sliced her mask off of, its, off of her face, and injured her arm. We see like a gush of blood come out of her arm, but her arm's still intact. Gluttony goes on to eat her, but he is killed, albeit temporarily, being a homunculus, by Ling. Ling proceeds to pick up Lan Fong and fight with Rath. He is a skilled fighter, and he notices that Rath has an eye patch, so he just stays in that blind spot, making it easier for him to fight. Gluttony then comes to and knocks Ling and Lan Fong into an abandoned building. Rath joins them and wants to have a conversation, uh, well, conversation before killing them, about how they were able to detect the presence of of gluttony 
Well, Wrath then starts to, well, not Wrath, uh, Ling starts to question Wrath because he meant, he notices the epaulets on his uniform. So he's like, oh, you're very high ranking. You must be the Fuhrer of this country. And so you know, he's saying, how is it that you are the way you are? And what, where, where did this come from? Like, why are you behaving this way? Wrath starts to mock him saying, hey, you know, you could escape here. If you would just let Lon Fon go, she's nothing but excess baggage. And he's like, no, as a, I'm a, as a ruler, you, you need your people. A ruler without a people is nothing. Well, Lon Fon then drops a uh, smoke grenade, not a smoke grenade, a flash bomb. Their hope is to blind, uh, blind Wrath long enough that they can escape. But Wrath uses his ultimate eye to see them and cut off their escape route. Well, now we take a, a quick jump back to Winry, and she's having a flashback. She's looking back at the day when she last saw her parents before they headed out to the battlefield where they ultimately met their end. She wakes up. She is in a car, and she is visiting Maze Hughes' grave. She is with you know, the wife and our daughter, and she's kind of having her own flashbacks and seeing her own parallels with how she lost her own parents and when she was a little girl. She starts to wander the street and she overhears a lot of talk about the Elric brothers fighting the murderer of the state alchemists. She becomes concerned, so she then she tries to run to see if she can find them and provide some aid. The brothers are fighting Scar, but Ling hasn't set off the signal yet to let them know, hey, we caught the homunculi. So they have to keep fighting him. Edward is getting physically tired, so Al decides, let me distract Scar. So he starts to question... Uh, he starts to question Scar about why he uses alchemy when he thinks alchemy is an abomination. Scar says, well, it's because he's balancing things out. Uh, alchemists are creators, so there must be destroyers. And then Alphonse further challenges him, asking him, well, like, why are you using your faith to justify murder? It's clear that all you want is revenge. What was your purpose in killing Shao Tucker and Nina? Scar pointed out that, oh, you saw that? You saw that monster or you saw that chimera? How could you be so uh, defensive of your alchemy? Your alchemy is what created that thing. And you know, brother, or not brother, Ad Edward starts to realize, oh, he has he has a point. But then they, Al says, well, that didn't give you a right to kill her. kill her. She was just a little girl. And Scar said, there was no way to reverse it. Like, that was it. That was going to be her life from now on. And she would have become essentially a lab rat. So killing her was just like a mercy kill type of thing for him. The brothers kind of look into their head and they're like, oh, yeah, he's kind of right. Like, we never thought about it. We just were, we were mad at Chow Tucker, but we never realized the reality of that this was it for Nina. There was, there was nothing, nothing for her to look forward to other than becoming a lab rat. Well, then Edward fights back and says... Well, what about the rock bells, the doctors from Mestris? They were just healing people, even during the extermination of the Ishbalans, and yet you killed them. Uh, poor timing, because Winry overhears everything, and she comes to the realization that this is the guy who killed her parents. She finds a gun on the ground, and she pro uh, proceeds to point it at Scar. Scar understands, like, where she's coming from. Okay, yeah, 
uh, I killed your parents. You have every right to be mad and want revenge on me. Then we start to get a flashback of Scars. We see Scar during the Ishvalan Civil War. He's trying to get his brother out of the house because the soldiers are coming in on them and they need to escape for their lives. Well, his brother is more interested in his alchemic research and wanting to complete it. Apparently, he is he is trying to figure out something big, or he's onto some really big information. Some of the others, Fallens, are interested in the brother's research as well. We never actually get his brother's name, so just the brother. Uh, they they figure, well, you know, he's learning alchemy. He's getting really good at it. He may be able to even the odds for us against the state alchemist. But Scar isn't hearing any of it because he's just he still hates alchemy at his core. Brother eventually meets up with him and gives Scar his research. Basically, his brother says, hey, I'm, I'm a frail guy. There's no way I'm going to be able to survive this uh, war. Uh, I, this research has some very important information. You're a monk. You've been trained in fighting. You have a better chance of surviving. All of a sudden, they run into an alchemist, state alchemist, who uses a very destructive attack to level the area that they're living in. Scar's brother attempts to protect him from the attack by jumping in front. We now see that nearly everyone in the vicinity was killed. Scar is badly injured and missing his arm. As a last-ditch effort to save his life, Scar's brother used his alchemy to give Scar his arm. Scar wakes up in a field hospital. He sees his brother's research, so he thinks, okay, well, what happened to my brother? What happened to everybody? You know, he hears all the craziness that you would expect to hear in a field hospital. He sees the tattooed arm, and he's like, oh, my brother, you're survived. Great. Well, then he realizes, oh, the tattooed arm, it's, it's his arm. So this drives him insane. He just has a mental attack where he just realizes... Everything is wrong. Something's bad happened to my family. What happened to my brother? Amestrians are the reason this happened. He sees the two uh, Rockbell doctors with their blue eyes and realizes they're Amestrians. And he just grabs some instruments uh, that he finds on the ground and proceeds to kill them. Uh, in a blind rage, I don't think he was actually thinking straight. But nevertheless, he did kill them. We then flash back to the present. Winry is on the ground. Pull, she's crying. She's pointing the gun. Scar kind of provokes her to shoot. But if she does shoot and she fails, then she is now his enemy. She's struggling to want to shoot, but she really wants to. Uh, Ed talks her out of it. Ed actually jumps in front of her to protect her from Scar, but also prevent her from shooting. This action remembers or reminds Scar of... What happened with him and his brother and his brother trying to protect him. While he was distracted, Al used the opportunity to attack Scar. Scar runs away and Al pursues him. Winry is crying. Edward takes the gun away from her. She is upset because this is the man who killed her parents and nearly killed the, the Elric brothers. Why, why couldn't she bring herself to end his life? The episode ends with Edward pointing out that, you know, her hands helped heal him, helped give him auto mail, helped all the people at Rush Valley, helped have a baby delivered. Her hands weren't made for taking life. It was made for giving life. And the episode ends. So what are your thoughts? 
I love the backstory we get of Scar in this episode and uh, kind of learn where he gets his tattoos from. It was very interesting. Yeah, that his brother just removed his one of his arms and gave it to him in order to help him from bleeding out. Yes, and I'm curious to see if we're going to see the brother again, but I really love this episode because we get the, uh, when we meet the brother, he says, because he, both his arms are tattooed and he says, my right arm is for deconstruction and my left arm is reconstruct for reconstruction. And I don't know if everyone's noticed, but it looks like Scar has the right arm of his brother. Yeah, because you never see him actually create anything despite them saying, oh, this is alchemy or he's using alchemy. He only destroys things. He touches things and they blow up or whatever. Like they don't actually, we never see anything actually created by Scar. Yeah, I and it's just, it's interesting that he takes this philosophy of, uh, of he is the balance because with creation there's a deconstruction and he is only deconstruction i wonder if it's because he only has he has the right arm of his brother i'm not sure i might be grasping at straws here but i i found that very interesting i had to rewind the episode back just to double check and then i i froze on a what's when we saw scar standing to check what arm he's he has and it's just, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I think, so my thoughts are that Scar is just looking for an excuse, just kind of as the, Elf, the uh, Elric brothers pointed out. So we see him, you know, we see him in the flashback, and it's clear that he's never liked alchemy. He is very pious in his belief, and only God should have the ability to create and destroy things. So he is clearly very against alchemy. And I think also with what's going on in the war, that only made him more hateful of alchemy. But when you see when people are suggesting using his brother's alchemy to fight back, he is very disturbed by that idea. So it's clear that his belief in alchemy is pretty steadfast. But then now he is going around and killing people, and I kind of think that he is purely out for revenge, but then he's just using that as his justification. So rather than I'm a killer who's killing people, uh, I'm delivering, uh, you know, delivering vengeance on God's behalf. Like, like that's his kind of his mindset. Is so he's kind of lying to himself, saying I'm the balance. I'm the, I'm what is needed in order to balance out the evil of the alchemists. And. I in, I like that he understands that he is in a cycle of revenge, that he is only causing more pain. Um, we got that back a couple episodes ago when I guess an elder, an Ishvalan elder, was talking to him about how he needs to end this cycle and stop stop pursuing his uh, revenge on state alchemists. And when Winry has the gun, it's um he's flashback to the same thing where he's like, where he's actually created the cycle by killing her parents. And now she's here with a gun pointed at him. He's really realizing the cycle that he's created. Yeah, that's very true. He does 
kind of have that insight when the God has pointed out him that he has created this violent cycle. And we also see kind of that episode earlier where he is in the Ishvalan slum and the, uh, the leader there tells him about how he's going down the wrong path. He kind of has a flashback to that conversation. So he's starting to realize that, yeah, he is, he isn't the hero that he thinks he is. Yeah. And we get to see how brutal this war actually was. We, there's a point where some of the Ishvalans are trying to escape the city and the state alchemists trap them in with a giant wall. And then they are just all shot. And it's not holding any punches back. You're seeing the brutality of this war. Exactly. We're seeing what war is and what the problem with war is and how war negatively affects people. Some that's not always covered in a lot of uh, animes and whatnot, or a lot of fiction for that matter. We just see these people getting slaughtered. Like they don't have a chance. They are clearly outmatched and, being killed like like their ants or something and i'm still not 100 percent sure on the reason for this war so i i I know it started off with a a child being killed on accident or purpose i i'm not sure about that but i i'm not quite 100 percent locked on on why is this all happening yeah i think most likely they're going to start to explain er, explain um most likely they're going to start to explain that in a few episodes uh what what all the connection is to everything cuz clearly there's a greater connection going on like none of these things are accidental the war clearly seems to be planned or be caused by something uh yeah, I think everybody's just tied into it. And I think we're going to eventually figure out how everything's tied in. But yeah, we're starting to see that Scar Scar is just blinded by his anger and his hatred. Understandably so. Like, I can't say that, you know, it's easy for us to sit and say, well, he's the villain or whatnot. But he's, he's also kind of a tragic villain because he was just a regular dude who lost everything due to a war, a very unfair war. Uh, as far as we can tell from the story, it was over a soldier killing an fallen girl and rather than dealing with it properly, they decided to just extermin- exterminate them and essentially commit a mass genocide. So, I mean, most of us would probably be upset in that situation. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it is very interesting. Uh, when we overhears all this and she learns the truth about her parents passing and that, Scar is the person who uh, killed them. And he says to her, if she shoots him, she will be his enemy now. Which which I, I kind of find a little confusing. I, I mean, I understand what he's saying, but he killed her parents. She's seeking revenge. I feel if anyone should truly understand, it's him. And I don't, I don't know why he declares that once she fires, there'll be mortal enemies. It It's somewhat confusing. I feel as Scar is someone who's lost his family for what we, what I think is no good reason that his whole family died. And for him to kind of be like on the flip side, he kills 
Winry's parents for no re- good reason. There's no reason he should have done that. If anyone could understand what Winry's going through, it should be him. And I, I don't know. When he was like, if you shoot me, I will basically hunt you down as well. It, it, was, it threw me off. Yeah, it's clearly he just sees people as either his enemy or his friend and it's like, okay, if she doesn't if she doesn't attack him, then she is not a, an enemy. But if she does attack him, then she is. It's the same thing with uh with the earlier episode we see when we first meet Scar and he's fighting the Elric brothers and he says he has no issue or he has no plans on killing Alphonse because Alphonse is in the state alchemist but if Alphonse gets in his way he will so it seems like yeah he's he's very clearly single-minded trying to attack specific people uh to get his revenge but then anybody who gets in his way of his revenge he has no problem seeing as an enemy yeah I I love all the scar background that we're getting in this episode but what I love almost even more in this episode is we get to see Ling fight. And since we've met Ling, I've only considered him comic relief and kind of just this person who has these two bodyguards can't really, he seems like a son of a King. Like he seems very pampered and he's always hungry and he doesn't know what's going on. But in this episode, we get to see him fight. Um, Fuhrer Bradley slash Wrath. And he's holding up his own in this battle. Not only is he fighting Wrath, but he's also has someone on his shoulder. He's carrying a body and fighting. And he's going toe-to-toe with, with Wrath. And I that was pretty awesome. Yeah, we we see anytime, like even the homuncular, anytime anybody fights Wrath. It is clearly an unbalanced fight. They do not stand a chance. But here we see him actually being able to hold his own. And he's also pretty smart. Like he's he knows how to how to stay ahead of him, how to get into his blind spot so that he can uh, attack him. And then of course using their tricks like their smoke grenades and their their flashbangs and whatnot. So they're clearly He's not just a good fighter. He's also just a very tactical fighter. And it's nice to see him actually being used for something, like you said, besides comic relief. Because that's pretty much all he's been at this point. But now we see that he can fight and he's useful. And then we also see a little bit about his morality when he talks about how he's not going to ditch Lon Fawn, even though she's injured. Because she's, well, he says she's one of her people and he's trying to be an emperor and an emperor can never turn back on their people. So, you know, we kind of get to see a little bit about his morals. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it was really cool to see uh, him fight. And I think he would have done way better if he didn't have to carry Lanfan on his shoulder. Like, if he didn't have that extra, I do think he could have really given Wrath a run for his money. Absolutely, which is really cool to see, because, yeah, most everybody who deals with him are not able to handle him, but Wrath was able to uh, be given a, I guess, given the drop by uh, by Ling a few times, which was, I thought was awesome. Yeah, and uh, just, uh, yeah, that was a really cool fight. Uh in this episode we're we're getting a lot of cool battles 
in these past few episodes that we've been watching, which I, I've been really enjoying. Yeah, we've gotten past a lot of the just dialogue and backstory episodes, and now we're getting to the meat of this show. So it's really nice. I'm enjoying that part a lot. And then, of course, we have... Um, we still have the deeper conversations, too, like about war, about the toll of war. Uh, you know, the brothers have to face that ethical dilemma that Scar puts in front of them about how, you know, alchemy created Nina and Shao, uh, Alchema, alchemy turned Nina into a chimera because of Shao Tucker. Uh, that created an abomination. So alchemy isn't this pure thing that they try to, that they try to pass it off as and having to see you know, that realization that the brothers deal with the fact that you're, you know, he's right. And then because she has turned into that thing, like there was no going back for her. That was it. So just them dealing with that reality. I wonder if they've already, if this is the moment where they're realizing it, because in that episode, they really do have faith that they're going to figure out how to pull her apart as if they keep on this journey to find their bodies in that episode with Nina and Tucker, they, they really believe that like they will separate her. So I wonder if this is the moment that it's, everything's hitting home where they're like, they're thinking alchemy can't solve every problem. Absolutely. Like he, I think I think that's exactly right because they do go through that a little bit when they're sitting there and they're they're thinking about what Scar told them because I think maybe they didn't think that far about like, okay, well, we could have made Nina normal again or we could have changed things or there's something we could do. I think they never really thought that far and then that yeah, that was when it finally hit them that like, yeah, that was that was it. Like Scar was wrong to kill her, I guess, but at the same time like what other life did she have at that point? So it was like maybe he, maybe he did do the right thing in killing her by giving her a mercy kill. Yeah, it just it feels like they're learning a lot, uh, the brothers about what al- how far alchemy can go. Uh, last episode, they learned that you can't bring back people from the dead. You don't bring them back. You bring back something else. And they're coming to the realization that they they probably couldn't have pulled Nina out of separating Nina and uh, I forgot the dog's name, but Nina and her dog, they probably couldn't have done that either. So I'm I'm wondering what their their thoughts are now after hitting having this moment. Are they is this going to deter them from trying to get their body back? It's just like or. Is it going to propel them further? Yeah, that is a very good point. I wonder, like, I think they're still on their goal to get their bodies back to normal and stuff, but I do think it's causing them to question all of their morals and beliefs at this point in time. Yeah, and I love the ending of this episode with Winry. And, uh, of course, Winry can't pull the trigger. She's not going to shoot Scar. And then Edward tells her that her hands were meant to uh, give life and not not take it. So it was uh, it's really cool. Kind of. We start the episode off with Winry uh, with the, the Hughes's family 
visiting his grave and we can we end this the episode with winry learning more about who she is deep inside that she's not a killer and that she's more like her parents than than she may have not than she may have not thought of like she is more of a she's like a doctor even though she's not a doctor exactly she cares more about life and the value of life than she did about getting the revenge on scar for taking her parents away and nearly taking the two people aside from her parents that she cared a lot about the, the Elric brothers. Yeah. And my last thought on this episode, and I know people love when I like talk about Al in the backseat of cars and I love these funny moments, but towards the end of the episode, you're going to see scar, uh, try to escape and he deconstructs a wall and there's like this cat sitting next to the wall just like sleeping and he deconstructs it and the cat makes this weird funny face and jumps up and i laughed out loud so if you're watching the episode go back and watch it look for the scene where scar deconstructs the wall and look for the little cat jumping in the corner it's it's those little moments that i enjoy in this anime interesting i don't think i noticed that one so i am gonna have to rewatch it after we record this episode yeah, I, I love those kind of comedic background things that the animators thought of, and sometimes we overlook, but I, I always have my eye out for you guys for those kind of things. Well, uh, hopefully in this next episode you found some fun things too, because I don't think I did. Well, we'll see. All right. Well, let's jump into the next one, Girl on the Battlefield. So... I'm going to, I kind of move things around in this one because it does jump around a lot. So I wanted to kind of condense uh, the different point of views of the story together. So let's start with what, what Ling is up to. Ling is able to escape with Lon Fawn. Wrath has Gluttony follow their scent because apparently Gluttony is, a, is essentially a bloodhound. So Gluttony is now in close pursuit and will not give up. And Ling is just not sure what to do because they they can't keep running. Also, Lon Fawn's leaving a trail of blood that Wrath is following to find them. Now, there's an explosion in the distance, and it's clear that it's caused by the Scar and, Elric, uh, Scar and the Elric brothers fighting. So, Wrath asks Gluttony to go see what's up while he goes and finds Ling and Lon Fawn and finishes them. Lon Fawn realizes that her arm is useless at this point. Uh, whatever Wrath did has permanently disabled it. And begs Ling to ditch her. But Ling says he refuses to give up on her. He refuses to ditch her. What kind of king would he be if he did that? She decides to make the tough decision. And we see that she took out a knife. And we don't know what she does at this point. So let's jump back to the Scar in uh, the Elric fight. Scar and Al are fighting. Edward's in pursuit. Uh, Winry gets picked up by the MPs and taken back to Central Command. Scar mocks Alphonse for being alright with alchemy once he realizes that Alphonse is a hollow suit of armor. And he points out that, hey, this is you love alchemy so much, look what it did to you. It locked you permanently in this suit of armor. And Alphonse says, you know, he doesn't reject the sacrifice that Ed made to save his life. Uh, he doesn't reject alchemy as a result of that. Scar attempts a sneak attack on Al, but Ed is able to come out of nowhere and save him. 
but then Gluttony shows up. Scar is able to deal some damage to Gluttony, but, you know, knowing that he's a homunculus, it was only temporary. The brothers try to break up the fight as they don't want Scar to accidentally finish off Gluttony, though, you know, not likely to happen. Uh, we see Wrath following the trail of blood and closing in on Ling and Lan Fawn, where we get a glimpse of Lan Fawn's dead arm. Turns out she cut off her arm and they attached it to a dog and let the dog run off, creating a uh, trail of blood that Wrath followed and took them the wrong way. Back to the battle, we see Ling jump out of the sewers and help them take out Gluttony. He drops a grenade into Gluttony's mouth, blowing him up. Mm -hmm. As Gluttony starts to heal himself, he has Edward create some metal uh, cable, and they tie Gluttony up. So as he's starting to expand and heal, he just gets tighter and tighter into this uh, makeshift cage, essentially. We then see Riza show up, but she's in disguise. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it's not the greatest disguise, but she's in disguise. She drives up with the car. She shoots Scar in the leg and tells Ling to load Gluttony in the car and jump in and leave. So now the brothers are back with Scar. So they figure, okay, we're going to finish this fight and make Scar pay for what he did for the Rock Bells, or did to the Rock Bells. Mei Chang shows up out of nowhere and attacks Ed, uh, Alphonse. And she attempts to defend Scar because Scar is the servant of the man that saved her life. She uses her alchemistry to cause an explosion, which resulted in a large plume of smoke, and she used the plume of smoke as cover to escape with Scar. As Riza and Ling are escaping, they run into the sewer to get Lan Fawn, where she was left behind after they cut off the arm. Wrath sees the car driving by, and he is able to piece together that the driver is actually one of Mustang's people, and so he realizes Mustang is somehow involved in everything that's going on. As Scar is being healed by Mei Chang, he starts to question everything. Uh, he starts to question whether he was on the right path, and you know he's he realizes, oh, I've I, I've met somebody that I actually hurt by my hatred. It turns out, actually, though, that Alphonse somehow has Xiaomei, the little cat panda thing uh, that I don't he that uh, she travels with, that Mei Chang travels with. So he he kind of keeps a hold of her. The brothers wanted to go head back to Central Command, and they run into Winry. They also see Wrath, or well, as far as they're concerned, the Fuhrer there. He claims that because she is a friend of Full Metal, she deserves to get the best hospitality. The brothers then explain to Winry what happened to her parents. Winry is understandably upset, but she is thankful that he told her what happened. She just feels really bad because she feels like she's just always waiting for somebody to come back and she's not contributing. She's not doing anything. She was waiting for her parents to return. She's waiting for the brothers to return. When they return to the hotel, it turns out that Garfield from Rush Valley called and apparently everybody want Rush Valley want her back to help her fix their automobile. Like she does it better than anybody else. So she's realizing, oh, I actually do have a purpose and I actually do help people. So when we gets on the train to head back to Rush Valley and Edward wants to say something nice, but is cut off by the train horn. So he just walks away defeated. But Winry yells, hey, Edward, what what were you trying to say? So Edward says that the, hope the next time, Edward says that he hopes the next time he makes her cry, it will be tears of joy. Winry starts to wonder if she is actually falling in love with him. 
Mustang catches up with Ed and Al. They jump in a car. They go pick up Dr. Knox to help heal somebody who is having a problem. We realize it's Lawn Fawn. They drive to this outside, this little cabin outside of the uh, city where Riza had already dropped off Ling and the Punculi and Lawn Fawn. Dr. Knox tries to heal Lawn Fawn or patch him up as best he can with the limited instruments that he has. And now we see that, uh, well, Gluttony has been captured and he's tied up. And uh, naturally an argument breaks out over who gets to take Gluttony. Mustang begins to wonder, you know, how integrated the military is with the homunculi. And Ling points out that he believes that Wrath is a homunculus because when he saw his eye, he saw that Ouroboros tattoo. So Mustang's now even more interested in getting information. So he wants to take Gluttony. And of course, fight breaks out over, uh, a verbal argument rather, breaks out over who gets to take Gluttony back. Ling wants him because Ling is, wants to get the source of immortality and Lon Fawn lost an arm over this. Ed and Al wants the secrets to get their bodies back. And of course, Mustang wants information that he can use to dethrone the Fuhrer. Knox really just doesn't care about any of this, so he just kind of leaves and he says, you know, I'll see you later, Mustang. Hearing the name Mustang triggers Gluttony as he realizes that Mustang was the one who killed Lust. And so he starts to expand into this giant kind of monstrous form. We see this weird explosion take place. Riza gets concerned and the episode ends on a cliffhanger. So Jimmy, what were your thoughts? My thoughts were that I don't know if I could cut my own arm off. That's intense. I always think about that when a character has to chop off a limb or anything. And I, at first, when we saw that scene where Lon Fan pulls out the dagger, I thought she was going to end herself. And because we see Ling in a, a little later and he seems so angry and so determined that I thought it was the death of a close one that kind of pushed him this far. But then we see her in the sewer, the dirty sewer with just bleeding out as the doctor says in the later of the episode, but that was intense. Exactly. That was very like, they do kind of make it look like she killed herself or something to where Ling wouldn't have like, now he's just carrying a dead body. So what's the point? Like he will, he'll drop her cause he thinks she's dead. So that's kind of where it leaves you. But then, yeah, you realize, Oh no, she she just cut off her arm and let the arm bleed out so that it would create a fake trail for, for uh, for Wrath, and that would give him a chance to escape. And that's exactly what they did. But yeah, he seemed super determined after that on the fight that he had with Gluttony. And we get to see him do some more fighting. He's just very crafty. He creates the grenade, or not creates the grenade. He grabs the grenade, drops it in the mouth. Gluttony explodes. Then he just wraps him up in the cable and lifts him up with very little effort, which is kind of interesting too. So Ling is definitely more than just a comical character he has depth to him and he's a good fighter yeah not only is ling a amazing fighter but he is so uh like a tactician as well you see him pop up and he throws the grenade and he's just like telling people what to do at that moment he's like i need strong cable right now to wrap up gluttony and you're kind of thinking well what are you going to do with strong cable 
Well, he knew that once they killed Gluttony, Gluttony was going to expand again. And if we could trap him in a tighter spot, he would just expand too much and he'd be trapped in there. The same with the last episode when he's trying to stand in uh, uh, the Wrath's blind eye spot. It's just uh, these things that we didn't know about Ling beforehand that he's so smart and he's he's already assessed the situation. Yes, and then now we're starting to finally... Things are starting to come together. All the characters are starting to come together. They've got the homunculus. Now Mustang knows the truth that Wrath is a homunculi. So I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. Yeah, and we find out that Bradley's son is not his biological son. It's He's adopted. So even more flags to that Bradley is Wrath is a homunculi is being thrown up now. Now the cat's out of the bag. And I think, I think this just puts everyone more on edge because now they know how deep this actually goes. Uh, It just kind of puts everyone. I don't know. It doesn't relax anyone. I feel like. No, of course not. Cause like now everybody realizes this goes deep, but it seems like Mustang. So based on what I can gather, I guess it seems like Mustang doesn't think that anybody knows that. Wrath is homunculus, so we'll see what happens there. He's. It sounds like he's going to try to expose him or something to that effect. Um, yeah, it's just all this, all this craziness that's happening. It's, you know, with with Wrath being homunculus, now they're finally realizing that Wrath is homunculus. The person who runs their country is homunculus, and then of course the other homunculi are up to something. And I think it kind of also puts things into different light too. Like, why was the fear so interested in? Uh, capturing greed or doing these different attacks like it makes i guess it makes them question other things that wrath the fewer was up to yeah and i just it's just interesting uh everyone now is on the same page and we're all together everyone's kind of focused i love that we get may again in this episode may and her uh little panda buddy and I love how she calls Scar sir. Uh, what does she call Scar? She calls him a servant. I, I that's that's funny because uh, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the other guy, but he's like on top, and then Scar is their servant. It's it's it was great, and we kind of got to see a new form of alchemy, or is this alkahestry? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's alkahestry, which. Yeah, Alka history. Is that? I don't know. Is this something new with the daggers and how she kind of threw them and then did alchemy on the ground and it did it over there? It's new. No one's seen it. Oh, yeah. No, that kind of threw them off. Yeah, it threw them off when they saw it. Even the Elric brothers who are well-versed in alchemy for them to see like the her, her being able to do a remote alchemy uh transmutation circle is something they've never seen before usually if you want to do a transmutation circle it has to be where you are it has to be something that you can physically touch but we see her like throw these daggers at the at the train car and then she draws a transmutation circle on the ground she touches that transmutation circle and the circle created by the daggers uh is what activates so it's yeah it's definitely a different form of alchemy, and I'm guessing it is going to be very, very unique 
to alkahestry. I don't think it's something that a normal alchemist can do. Yeah, we haven't really met any characters that can do any alkahestry except for Mei because it's from Jing and we don't we haven't seen too many Jing characters uh, come up yet. They mentioned something about whether it's a dragon's pulse or something when we first learn about alkahestry and stuff. So I'm wondering what that has to deal with anything. I know. And I'm excited. Uh, you said the name and I'm, I, I forgot again for the panda, her little panda buddy. Oh, a Xiaomi. I love, I'm first saddened that he's split up from me and I wonder where that's going to lead us. But I do love the, the scene where he bites Al's finger and it does nothing to Al because he's just a suit of armor. And we see kind of the pyramid of who's in charge, I guess. And then we see the little top. Al drops on the very top. And now Al is the top of the food chain for him. Yeah, I think Al's the most important one since Al saved his life and is treating him well. Or at least until he runs into Mei Chang again, I'm guessing. But yeah, I don't, I don't, they never show how that happened. Like we see. We see May attack Al, kick him in the side, and yeah, we just don't see what happened. I guess maybe in all the confusion of them running around in the smoke, they lost May Chang, or not May Chang, the May Chang lost Xiao Mei, but I don't know. They like never really explain how it happened. And now he's just living inside Al's body. Yeah, well, benefit of being a hollowed, a hollowed out piece of armor, I suppose. It's. It's interesting. We don't see him ever take him out, right? Like after that scene where he puts him in. No. So he's just there. It's. Uh, I like to be. I like to think about that. That as they're saying goodbye to Winry at the train station, he's inside Al's body. Yeah, that is. I, I guess at some points he'll come out, but yeah, just in general, the idea that he's just kind of rattling around in there. I mean, I guess presumably he's in Al's leg or something, but. I that's I love that. And like, what? that's great. And I love uh, more Winry and how she gets the phone call and how. She's become a very important person in that community, in that city, uh, that everyone needs her. And they're like, when are you going to come back? When are you going to help her? Mm -hmm. Last episode was such a tolling episode for Winry that this is just a great reminder that she still has purpose. And she's still continuing uh, what her parents are. She's just like, she continues their legacy, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that I think was one of the biggest good parts of this episode the best takeaways was that when we realizes that she is valued she's not just sitting and waiting for people she is contributing and yeah she is carrying on her parents legacy yeah i i was like that's a perfect kind of uh end cap for winry i hope this isn't the end of winry for us for right now because i know we're almost halfway through and ed was yelling at her like Next time I see you, you're going to be crying tears of joy because I'm going to have my body back. But I, I hope we get to see Winry some more before. 
the end of this uh, saga. I mean, she's clearly the love interest, so there's no way we're not going to see her again. But yeah, I definitely want to see her grow as a character, though. Like, these past two episodes were definitely powerful in explaining who she is and how she's growing and kind of giving us a character analysis on her. So I would definitely like to see more of her. And I don't want to say I called it, but I did call in like a couple episodes ago or last episode when I was like, they don't know how they're going to split up the homunculi. Like it's three people who want it and they only have one. And then this episode they're fighting about how they're going to split it. Yeah. Apart. Or really who, yeah. Who gets like first dibs on him. Cause technically, yeah, they'll like, there's nothing else they can do. It's not like they can split them up into three homunculi and everybody can get what they need. Everybody wants to interrogate him for different reasons. And then, of course, Ling doesn't even want to interrogate him. Ling wants to take him back to uh, back to Xing. So there's a yeah. Everybody's just kind of and uh, is kind of not sure what to do at this point. Everybody's just yelling at each other. Yeah, and then uh, we get to see how close Gluttony was to lust because the the hearing the name Mustang, who is the person who killed Lust. It, it sets him off. And at first I thought Gluttony was just kind of this this character. He's kind of like always the sidekick. So he's bounced from Lust to Wrath. But I guess he did have this deep connection to Lust. Yeah, he gets, he gets infuriated when he realizes that Mustang is there. And Mustang's the one who killed Lust. And we see him expand and we don't see really much of what happens. He kind of turns into some kind of weird monster that results in explosion. And then that's kind of where the episode ends. So I'm kind of curious to see what happens. His next. stomach like opens, right? And we kind of see an eye ball kind of thing in it. It's definitely a great place to end an episode. Cause it, the last few episodes, I've just been wanting to dive into the next one and I had to stop myself. So this is a very like, I need to know what happens next and I can't wait to closer to the next week so I can start watching that episode. Yeah, no, it is a great way to end an episode because you just see things expand or things, see things just scale up and then all of a sudden it ends and you're like, what, what happened? I need to know. How are they going to live? Who are they fighting? How are they going to survive this? What's going on? Yeah, it's it's they, they, the show is just so perfect at doing that. Yeah, and it's just every episode has something. I don't think I think we've had one filler episode, one or two, but even those episodes are giving us more lore and more uh, insight into this world. And every episode that we've watched so far, it's just it's given me more and more. And I, I'm just eating it all up. I'm like gluttony. Just everything up. Yeah, Gluttony definitely seems like the childish, uh, like he has the mind of a child and Gluttony, or not Gluttony, Lust was his mother figure and that's why he's mad. And yeah, just seeing him becoming pure rage is very interesting. And I want to see what, how they, how they deal with him because he's not something easy to fight against. And whatever this monstrous form is that he's taken, I imagine it's not easy to fight against either. Yeah, and now that they know that Bradley is Wrath, or they don't know he's Wrath, but they know he's a homunculi. 
And I think that there's another wrinkle in this this thing because uh, at the beginning of this episode, Link or uh, what is it? Hawkeye picks up Ling, and they have to stop to pick up uh, Lon Fan. And in doing that, they drive past Bradley, who notices Hawkeye. So Bradley knows more than they think he knows. Yeah, he clearly knows something's up, and Mustang is somehow involved in everything. I guess maybe he doesn't know exactly how yet, but it's clear that he knows something is up. And just him knowing that Mustang is involved in this, and that's probably why he was in the the waiting room with uh, Winry before the brothers get there, because he knows something's up, and uh, it's it's more nerve-wracking knowing that the villain has more insight than than the, our characters know. Yeah, then he, he has that kind of leverage, too, because if he knows what they're up to, then he's yeah, it becomes super easy for him to manipulate them. I'm, I'm excited. I, I just, I'm wondering what happens. That little house got blown up, so let's see what's going on. Let's see how they handle it. We're getting close to the end of this season and then starting off the next one. And yeah, we're getting about halfway through. So I think we're only going to see more developments now. Yeah. And one other thing, when Al is fighting Scar and he's building those giant hands out of the ground and they're coming up, it's so cool. And it makes me want a live action of this show which I know that there's a live action movie, but it's I heard it's not good. But this would be great live action if they could do it right. If they could do it right, it would be nice. Yes, the live action version on Netflix is terrible. That is, it's like there's not even a coherent story to it. It's clearly they just wanted to like get in all of the greatest hits of the show and then just throw them out of us to say hey you remember this in the scene like there's just no cohesive story so i would unless you just want to hate watch it or something i would advise nobody watch it uh, i just want to see those like giant hands come out of the ground in live action i someone needs to, we need to get someone on it can kevin feige produce this or something and what's what's make it a good movie Yes, if Kevin Feige made it, it would be amazing, no doubt about it. So, but that was just a random thought I had as we were wrapping up. But like, I I loved the fight scenes, and now that the brothers are kind of getting more into it, and it seems like Al is Al surpassing Ed in a way, in my opinion. He's doing really great fighting. He's got now that he can transmutate without a circle. It seems he's picking up things really fast. I I don't know. They're, for me, they're kind of going neck and neck between who's the better alchemist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now they're we're definitely seeing Al become as good, if not better, than Edward. And yeah, now they are definitely doing more offensive alchemy, uh, fighting people, and they're getting more determined too because I think they're actually getting leads. So. Yeah, it's just uh, these fight scenes, these last few episodes, it really pumped me up. Just watching them, you know, not being all defensive. And you, like you said, taking the offense on some of these episodes and we get to see the cool things they're creating has really gotten me, like, excited. Yes, I can't wait for the next one. I can't wait to see what happens next. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to add to you. Neither do I, so I think we can end it here and we can catch up next week and see how they deal with uh, how they deal with gluttony and what other information they get. Uh, let's see, so that's everything we have. Uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy. Bye. Bye.